0: And welcome, listeners, to another episode of Stargazing. Um, I, this is Calvin again, and I'm here with uh, the PW Graphic Novels Review Editor, uh, Meg Limke. Uh, Happy New Year, Meg.
1: Happy New Year. It's February, but we... Related.
0: <laughs> we're, we're still <laughs> early. <laughs> well, well, we, we, we had a little... There's been a little time since the last time we did a Stargaze. Not a lot of time, but... Uh, I think in between that time, uh, the calendar moved.
1: It was the holidays. Now we're back.
0: All right. Well, uh, we've been busy. Well, uh, it's good to to talk with you, and I bet you've got some books for us to talk about.
1: We're going to talk about two books today, and the first one um, is by David Walker, and it's The Black Panther Party, a graphic novel history. Uh, It's out from 10 Speed Press.
0: Yes, I'm familiar with this book.
1: Yes, and this is a January release, so this is one mm-hmm. of the first starred reviews, in fact, in the new year in 2021. All right. So, well, what's review- the other one? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Should we skip ahead? The next one will be Shira well, just name.
0: It, let's just name them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We'll- yeah. The next one will be Sheer Specter's Red Rock Baby Candy from Fantagraphics, which is out in March. And- so we have um, one that's out that you can all pick up immediately. And, um, particularly relevant as this is Black History Month that we are recording, okay. mm-hmm. um, with the Black Panther Party and then one to put on your, your hold list at your indie bookstore. All right.
0: Um, but yeah, so let's, yes, yeah, let's, let's talk about David Walker.
1: <laughs> right. And the art, you mentioned the artist. So David wrote the Black Panther Party graphic novel history and it's, um, illustrated or drawn by Marcus Kwame Anderson. Um, and Walker is well regarded and very well um, love within the comics community, and particularly in the black comics community. He did the life of Frederick Douglass biography, and he also um, draws Bitterroot, right? Yes, right. it's, the,
0: yes, it's par, a paranormal journey into black history in, in Harlem um, mm-hmm. in the 1920s. It's really, really a great imaginative uh, kind of, you know, conjure comic. And um, uh, the way it looks at and uses actually very real, uh, research into black history and folklore to create this kind of, uh, this kind of steampunk, punk sci-fi, black sci-fi.
1: Yeah, I feel like Walker and his work come up a lot as a touch point. People talk about uh, contemporary black comic artists working and breaking your ground and emerging genre work. Um and then this is this, Really concise, but in depth guide to the Black panther party um, it really spoke to me and filled in a lot of gaps in my own knowledge. but Calvin, you have much more um experience with this history personally in fact, if you want to speak to that well,
0: you know my age you know i'm sixty eight uh, I grew up in the period uh, where the Black panther party uh, uh, rose to prominence both uh as this kind of Mythological revolutionary movement, um, uh, uh, of the 1960s, uh, uh, representing kind of political revolution, but also the, it's the clashes with the police. I mean, it re- the, the Black Panther Party kind of, um, represents, uh, sad to say, uh, my introduction to, uh, police brutality, mm-hmm. uh, generating popular uprisings uh although uh, what the black panther party uh teaches us of course is that what we saw this year uh the the deaths of unarmed um black people at the hands of the police um uh, this has been going on for a long time mm-hmm. um uh, we are in an era now where everyone has a video camera and uh we've been able to document these tragic narratives that have been uh a part of uh the African American struggle uh, for equality uh, and anti-racism since the beginning of this country. So, uh, so the Black Panther Party uh, uh, is both a pop culture phenomenon uh, and this pivotal mark uh, point in history. And yes,
1: <laughs> when you talk about the idea of the, the camera and the documentation of um, police violence against unarmed Black uh, peoples because. There's a way in which the party, the Black Panther Party's founding, is to is to be that observer. You know, there's a whole section where it talks about one of the roles is um, one of the early members following the police, like following them around to keep an eye on whatever they were doing and make sure they didn't kill anyone.
0: Well, this is one of the also the great uh, uh, strengths of this book. Uh, it's incredibly comprehensive but but it 's a very clear and straightforward path through the narrative because mm-hmm. he relates the history of this and uh he starts this book out by connecting it actually um with the civil rights movement mm-hmm. but but you 're right the 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 black panther party uh and its full name at the time was the black panther party for self defense mm-hmm. um which is intro which is a, a, a an important point to make about uh organizations like the Black Panther Party and as well as about about Malcolm X uh the Black Muslims all groups that were specifically did not ascribe to nonviolence uh and were often portrayed in the in the American media and by American law enforcement as violent terrorists uh they were uh, they immediate their immediate act was to defend themselves against racist violence against black communities. Mm-hmm. So, yes, the, the Black Panther Party started off, started by uh, uh, Bobby Seale and Huey Newton, basically to uh, observe the police mm-hmm. uh, and to defend the police. Now, the, the, the interesting thing about the Black Panther Party, and all of this is laid out really wonderfully in his book, and we should mention Marcus Kwame Anderson, the artist who works with David on this book, because the art is – a really extraordinary, uh, uh, both in just terms of giving you a clear idea of all of the, the characters involved. But in telling this story that is both part, both real serious history and pop culture myth, his style, which is very popish but very like polished, I think mm-hmm. it really works very, really well, uh, as an almost kind of like lively encyclopedia of the event. Yeah, he
1: does a really good job with that because it's a tricky, Problem with a book like this where you have so many different characters to profile because a lot of the book are concise portraits of figures through the party and through its evolutions um, and then how they interact with each other and then how their own paths change over time because he really takes these major figures from their entry to the party through some of the different machinations in the political movement. Um, and then some of them coming in and out of different phases of their life, you know, including folks who take very different turns, you know, some, um, go on to greater political power. Some have tragic, uh, endings, including multiple people being murdered by the police. Right. Um, there's, there's a way in which there's all these different characters and yet, um, Kama Anderson does an incredible job, really differentiating them and giving each their their piece. You know, giving them each a place where they have a full, fulsome history, while he's juggling all these different um, profiles in the larger history.
0: And giving their their their, their figures really weight and composition. I mm-hmm. mean, he has he he really he, while he has a a, a popish carto- cartoon cartoon f- driven style. It really has great nuance to it. Uh, the color is fabulous, and it it all it, it really supports the narrative well. But you're really right. That's why I say it has an it has a, a sort of adventure encyclopedia vibe to mm-hmm. it because it it you know it gives you many profiles of all of these incredible credible characters. And if you know anything about the Black Panther Party, and and these are the characters. These are the iconic. Uh, figures of black protests of when I was a teenager. I mean, we mm-hmm. talk about Huey Newton and Bobby Seale, um, Eldridge Cleaver, who wrote the book Solo Nice, which I read really many years ago. You know, and uh, uh, you know, a, a convict, a thug, a rapist, as well as a revolutionary. Kathleen Cleaver, his wife. Uh, the book I think does a great job at. Um, uh, uh, covering the women of the Black Panther Party.
1: Yeah, I was going to say there's a whole section that talks about yes. how there's an image of the Panthers as a very kind of macho line, you know, of men in berets, but that, in fact, um, in later evolutions of the party, many of the members were women and then spends time spotlighting key women in the um, sort of higher echelons of the government of the party. There's a really great, like, Graphic to just talking about the structure of the, um, organization.
0: Oh yeah, and he, he, I, he really, lovely. he really broke down the organizational structure. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: it, this book is really amazing. He really covers, uh, I mean, what's interesting and what, what we, you have to return to about the Black Panther Party is that, you know, it is this iconic kind of representation of a time. It was a very real organization. Uh, driven by really charismatic leaders who really wanted to create a revolution in America. They combined, you know, black, black nationalist civil rights thinking, uh, with Marxism, um, mm-hmm. uh, to create a, a black, uh, Marxist, um, analysis of American culture and come up with a practical way to do it. The Black Panther Party, besides uh, walking around with guns and making no mistake that they were going to protect, Themselves in the black community, they also opened up uh, schools. They had a free mm-hmm. breakfast program, and of course, the Black Panther Party newspaper covered really tremendously well by David here, because you know myself, you know, I went to art school and I was at Howard University in those years. This is the nineteen uh, the nineteen sixties, late nineteen sixties. I was obsessed with the Black Panther Party newsletter, and mm-hmm. I was obsessed with Emory Douglas, it was their minister of culture, and created the cover for each. Issue and this sort of, <laughs> uh, you know, I, how do we even describe it? This, uh, this incredibly feverish vision of revolutionary urban, you know, um, revolt. Uh, mm. you know, uh, uh, you know, the women with the babies on their back and an AK-47. I mean, th- this was a romanticizing ro- revolution to some degree, but it also was a spectacular visual, visual, um, uh, narrative that Emory Douglas laid out, and he really and it, and the book talks about how important the uh, the Black Panther Party newspaper was. It sold hundreds of thousands of copies around the country, and I think it came out every week. and I bought it every week.
1: You were mentioning, you know, that you were a student at the time, and the book talks about that too, about how much the young people were energized and involved in the party.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, and certainly the book covers uh, many of its earliest members. I think Bobby Hutton, who was murdered by the cops, was a teenager.
1: Yeah. So in fact, and David talks about this in an interview that PW did with him, that Bobby Hutton's death is one of the scenes that he slows down on um, in the book. So there's a, there's two key scenes, both Bobby Hutton and Fred Hampton's deaths. Yes. That he focuses on their killings. Um, and he said in the interview, he he said, particularly because they were so tragic, um, he thought to himself, you know, what would somebody's family say about this? What would Fred Hampton's son say about this? Like, he really said he was, this is a quote, I was cognizant of not leaning into any sort of graphic or exploitative violence. I didn't want to glorify either the violence the Panthers engaged in or the violence that was perpetrated upon them. So in these two scenes, he is showing the kind of violence perpetrated upon the Panthers. And Hutton was 17. I mean, it's a really tragic scene yes. and it's just a moment where you're going through these figures you know there's these figures that most people will know about you know there's angela davis a big section on her you yes. know and then mm-hmm. and then Hutton may not be known to as many people you know as and so he really gets um, you know
0: well it's interesting i mean he his name is one of the iconic uh names of of murdered mm. panthers Fred Hampton is the same way. Of course, you know, there is a film coming out about Fred Hampton's murder uh this year. Um isn't the guy from um Get Out? Was it Daniel Kaluuya? Oh, interesting. Kalua? I, I think,
1: think that'd gonna... the... Oh, go ahead, sorry.
0: Yeah, I think that I think there's a film, I've forgotten the name of it. Uh but that should be interesting. But but it it it's really a measure of uh how this group went uh from these two visionaries that started it, how it became a national movement, how they were fearless, mm-hmm. uh, with guns and the police and black self-defense. There are the, the notorious and famous events of them marching into the Sacramento, uh, state house with, with guns, uh, to protest, uh, you know, an anti-gun bill, uh, that was being passed, uh, which brings in all kinds of interesting issues around, Second Amendment and black people. Um uh but really the notoriety um brought them to the attention of uh J. edgar Hoover, the mm-hmm. COINTELPRO program, which was basically uh the FBI uh, uh undermining, attacking and using every dirty trick, uh, including political assassination, uh, to undermine legitimate protests. Uh Driven by race as well as communist, communist, anti-communist hysteria. Uh, and, uh, how the, the Black Panther Party was slowly kind of destroyed between the FBI and, uh, their own, uh, exaggerated, uh, uh, vision of, of revolution, uh, mm-hmm. their fascination with violence and self-defense. Um and the reality of the police the racist police state that they were up against,
1: yeah, it's really in the eighties where you he and he focuses on other social cultural issues in the eighties too, and the kind of um structural changes in inner cities um and and that's actually a really fascinating piece of this where there's a way that we look at different figures um and the way their lives turn I think Walker also makes a very direct connection to Hutton and Hampton's killings and, um, contemporary period and looking at, um, as you were saying, police violence currently. And he talks about this book really breaking his heart. He wrote the, um, he wrote the afterword. He says, Minneapolis is burning. It was right Mm -hmm. after George Floyd's killing. So there's this, there's this very direct connection to activism of the period.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's funny, the, uh, uh David's, David's account, um, focuses on the Kerner Report, uh, which was this, uh, 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 giant, uh, I guess it was a government commissioned, federal government commissioned report into the explosive, uh, upri- urban uprisings, uh, in the sixties, uh, around a variety of police brutality issues,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: as well as, uh, I'm a little fuzzy on whether Martin Luther King was assassinated after or, or prior to that. But uh, – and the report there was, was – because a 400-page report that outlines many of the same issues that we're facing today.
1: Well, uh, folks should definitely check out the interview with David, which I thought was a great piece. Um, yes. And yes.
0: Hmm.
1: He says – for, you know, one thing we should just mention about this book is it's very accessible, including for young people. So it's just a great introduction to the yeah. history. Um, you know, it's an adult book, but it's clearly got uh, educational.
0: Yeah, you crossover. can ask for a better Black History Month book. To, I mean, I mean, you, well, you know, we should we cover this stuff all year round, folks. But you know, but it, really, this is an, a, a a spectacular work um, of popular black uh, historical research. It really covers the topic uh, for anyone. It's complex. Uh, it's incredibly thorough. It's beautifully illustrated. And and I should say, once again, the, the book starts, even though it tells the history and the mythology of the Black Panther Party, before we even get to that, they outline a short history of the African-American struggle for mm-hmm. equal mm-hmm. rights. Uh, for their, uh, to assert their humanity in the face of white supremacy and vicious, violent suppression. And, and, and they, they, to give you context of where the Black Panther Party, why something like that could come about. So anyway, that's my, uh, that's my commercial for this wonderful book.
1: Walker says that he wrote the book in the interview. He says he wrote it for himself at 14 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's a terrific book. <laughs> so, well, that one's available now, so people yes. can definitely pick Go. it up and then let us know what yes. they Go. think. Run and too.
0: buy it. Go run and buy it.
1: Um, so, switching gears, uh, we have one of the things we like to do on this section at stargazing is talk about debuts that get a star because it's really an achievement, you know, to get a star review in your debut book and um, a book that. Completely floored me, and I know Calvin, you really loved it as well. Yes, this year is Shira Specter's "Red Rock Baby Candy" out from Fantagraphics, and this is coming in March. And we also have an interview with Shira actually coming up on PW, I think, in print next week. So oh, great! Excellent. Yeah, Maybe I'm not. Hip.
0: I'm not hip to this. Uh, to this artist, but wow.
1: I wasn't either. I'm just going to say, like, you know, it came, and the um, reviewer loved it. I know Fantagraphics is really hot on it, you know, so I heard about it coming in, but reserved judgment until we actually got the book. They just sent me the full, beautiful, oversized package. You know, they do such beautiful Mm, books. Um, She's she's an artist from, she's Canadian, and as it says, she's a Jewish, um, lesbian, Canadian artist, and it's a book that's about grief and it's really about beauty, um, beauty and grief and pain, and it's a collage. It's totally explosive. It's really one of those uh, impressionistic mixtures of poetry and narrative. Um, it recalls to me very strongly Linda Barry's work and also uh, Mimi Pond. Um, there's definitely some Phoebe Glockner in there. <clears throat> she She mixes up. Like colored pencil drawings that are very intricate, sometimes flowery, the move in and out of figure drawings and sort of dreamlike sequences. And then a uh, kind of scrapbook collage style um, with these wild kind of like vintage magazines and pictures of babies coming out of cupcakes and stuff like that. <laughs> it's a book about miscarriage and fertility and about cancer. So she is detailing the period of time that she tried to have to carry a baby to term a pregnancy to term um, alongside the diagnosis of her father's cancer and his death. So it's looking at these two griefs and really playing a lot on the idea of um, cells multiplying. So the idea of, you know, birth and gestation and cancer and a lot of like imagery of flowers um, and patterns repeating. It's a beautiful book.
0: Yeah, what yeah. you said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh I could just, just go ditto for me. Um uh I wasn't familiar with the artist. Um I, I'm re- pretty much blown away it's a visual feast. Um uh it it it's not traditional or conventional storytelling, though mm-hmm. she has a very down to earth and emotional story to tell. And, and I say down to earth and emotional, but I mean, it, 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 the, the tone and texture of the work, uh, leapfrogs and varies throughout. It is, uh, gripping, uh, and, and, um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe melancholy when it needs to be. Uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of goofy. Uh, it's really honest. Um, it's funny. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's about her queerness, uh, as well, but it's about love and children. I mean, it's really kind of amazing. And, and you really can't start talking about the, the, the drawing, this, their, her high hieroglyphic virtuosity. I mean, the page is just, uh, and, and just an explosion of markings and renderings and abrupt shifts of tone. And, so much color she and, and detail. Uh, uh, the narrative uh, is is sort of inventively fragmented. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, for myself, you you know what's going on, but it, sometimes you know a little better about what's going on. But it's not a problem. It's 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 uh, you. It's really uh, immersive uh, beyond what I can you can even describe. Uh, while it, it tells this saga, or turns her life into a saga, and, uh, uh, you know, every page you turn is a delight. Uh, it's hard to know what else, I, I mean, I really do, I really, right now, I'm about three quarters of the way through the book, and I, I really think it's one of the best books of the year.
1: In terms of, you know, discussing her queerness too. I think one of the things that um, is really interesting about this work is that she is a mother while she's also infertile, you know, her partner carries their first child. So she opens the book, uh, Ready and excited to be the partner carrying the child in her career partnership. Um, so she has the experience. She actually has a baby while she is then miscarrying a baby. And I think that there's something about that that is so sensual too. so there's a, there's a number of scenes where you see her holding her infant uh, child carried by her partner while she's experiencing the very physical grief of having lost a child through miscarriage. So, there's And that is also referenced, this kind of physicality and sensuality is present throughout the whole work where she also has a kind of history of her sexuality, her sexual coming of age, um, and then how that's tied to the idea of fertility um, as femininity and a real unpacking of that. And the ending in particular is this kind of like explosive um recapturing or declaration of a different kind of fertility as sort of idea that's like queer creative fertility and like the making of a family, the making of the, of the chosen family. Um, the reviewer really loved this book. I'm going to try and pull that up here. Um, she, the reviewer says, you know, the sentiment is what makes her proposal and marriage to her partner after so many years together more poignant. Um, it's a clear eyed mandate to hold open your ordinary arms and embrace life and its complex complexity. It's a gorgeous and sad work, veering into the poetry and processing of grief with stunning breath. Um, It's really unlike uh, many other works, and I think that um, Fantagraphics is really positioning it as um, a lot like um, Emile Ferris. Yeah, that's the
0: first thing that comes to mind.
1: Yeah, I mean it's interesting because their style is so different. I yes, think that very much the, sim- so. the similarity is about the kind of full pagedness.
0: <laughs> <But, but, laughs> that's style. true. Now the formal, I, I mean, the, 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 she's explosively, and uh, just relentlessly inventive. Right. Every page, just I mean it's you can you can make the case that there's no two pages that actually are alike. Ultimately, even though the, there's the book has the narrative has flow to it. It's just. um uh, uh, she rearranges the form constantly. Uh, I remember when we were talking about the Ali Brosh book, um, mm-hmm. and how impressed I was just with her relentless creativity, her rel- relentless ability to, to reconceive the comic page. Well, this is what, um, what, uh,
1: what's
0: Shira is doing. Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, Every page is 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 kind of its own thing.
1: There's like an in the momentness of it that I uh, think yeah. is really reflecting the story as a whole and the way we process yeah. grief um, and and to come and healing from grief by being in a moment. So you get the sense that she never was in a rush to get onto the next page. Like every page was a story of that very intense emotional moment for her. And yet um, every page is
0: just. It's just a like nuclear fusion of activity. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like uh, it's it's as if she has too many ideas, and she's got to somehow shape them into some, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, you got to see it because words fail after a while. It's just relentlessly inventive. Every page, every mark, every uh, idea of how the narrative should go forward, and just how she uses language. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's without a doubt sequential art, but there, the, the, but the text is interwoven with the action of the drawings, uh, in ways mm-hmm. that break, make the narrative, uh, this weird, another line in the drawing in ways that word, word balloons don't.
1: Yeah. It's very like Linda Berry in that way too, yeah. which definitely plays. Uh, or I'd
0: right. even, um, um, Say you know Chris Ware because where he, he constantly experiments. I mean, in this specific aspect of his, he constantly looks for new ways to weave the text into the story, and it isn't always in the ways that we have come to expect comics to do. And mm-hmm. clearly, with her, I mean, she the 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 the, the, the narration, the text. Part of whatever this you know this particular uh, section of drawing is could be anywhere. It could be the eyebrows of the characters or some other some other element of drawing you would least expect to carry the text.
1: And there's a real wit about it too. I mean, you said oh, it's, it's funny, makes um, self conscious yeah. in a way that I really appreciate. Um, you know, she's very clearly. She, you know, she plays on a lot of really funny tropes, and one of the the title comes from the idea of like a queer cowgirl singing um this song about infertility to the tune of Big Rock Candy Mountain. That's where we get
0: another inventive and detailed section of the Red Rock Baby book. Candy, yeah, it's
1: yeah, beautifully it's beautiful.
0: drawn. So, all right, we could go on and on about the really her
1: it's
0: drawing, easy. her writing uh this introduction to her life it's really uh it's really quite phenomenal so uh, kudos she's
1: popular in Canada you know they they said yeah. that in the bio you know her work i think is in indie magazines in Canada so everyone else knows about her but the americans are getting their first chance here with this new release from Fantagraphics
0: really an excellent book um what is it red rock baby candy
1: and Rock Baby Candy out in March, but I have a physical copy of this book, so you know maybe you guys need to call up graphics. they might send it to you now. Okay.
0: <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, sure, Inspector. Uh, you rock.
1: Well, two very different books, but notable ones to discuss. Thanks, Calvin. And I promise we'll talk again soon.
0: Let's do. Sooner. Good to talk to you, Meg. Mm-hmm. <laughs>